0: We are Danny and Marcus Delalio, and welcome to Deep Diving Delalios. Welcome back to Deep Diving Delalios. We are filming this episode before Marcus goes away and leaves us for two whole weeks. So I'm glad we got to do this ahead of time. Oh, I I do want to put a statement out there. We try to get these out every other week. When Marcus gets back, he is getting married. I do not know if we will have time. That is entirely up to Sarah, the bride. But as soon as you can film, we will get to filming. Bake Sale contacted us, and it looks like a box of cookies, but it's not. It's alcohol. 33%. And we already did a shot for TikTok, but we wanted to show you guys how good it is. Uh, I'm excited. i want to mix it into things. It says, like, you could even mix it in with your root beer. Root beer! And they say it's best cold. So next time we got to try it cold. So what are we cheersing to? To our new camera. Because to our new camera, Tonight, yes. you all don't even know the hell we've been through. Tonight, we sat down to film, and the fucking camera, that has been a shitstorm, honestly, since day one, it shit the bed, just like Amber Heard. So here we are. This used to be
1: you guys, no longer. So
0: rip to Sony.
1: Rip to Sony. You
0: served us well. I both. Now out. you can go to hell. I love that.
1: Like I told the people of TikTok, that is very good.
0: It That's tastes delicious.
1: A lot like cookies, immaculately like cookies, and it is because
0: it's made from chocolate chip cookies.
1: Actual chocolate chip cookies. I don't
0: know how you do that.
1: I don't know either, um, and I don't want to know because that would be dangerous. If I knew how to do that. I'm
0: wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. It rained so much today, and these are Jurassic Park shot glasses. I survived the ride. And I did. Yes. Many times.
1: I did too. Fun fact we were the.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rexy? We
1: were the fourth part of the day, opening day.
0: Oh, for Velocicoaster. Velocicoaster.
1: So, Jeff Goldblum, uh, I know you're a big fan of the channel. We missed you that day. Uh, you didn't show up to Orlando, and we're not ever going yeah, to only there.
0: Yeah, we only got Kenan Thompson. That was so stupid. He has nothing to do with Jurassic He has nothing. Park. So normally when rides open in Universal and in Disney, they have cameos from the actors that portray people in the rides and the movies. He came into town. We are hoping to see, like, Jeff Goldblum or, or someone. I mean, Jeff was there for the Jurassic World or Jurassic Park ride open. Yeah. Whatever. Um, We got Kenan Thompson.
1: Which nothing against him, but oh. at the same time.
0: And apparently, some insider knowledge here. Apparently, he hated the ride, but he had to ride it like six times that day before because he was there to promote the damn ride. And apparently, he got sick. Okay, so
1: so everything against Keenan Thompson then because that ride is <laughs> That ride sick. That, that yeah, is such it's a the fun best ride. roller
0: coaster. Anyways, we'll stop promoting shit. So yes, today I want to look into another celebrity connection into nine eleven.
1: Okay, Mark Wahlberg, <sighs> Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> Just start going through all the different Wahlbergs.
0: We're going to look at World Trade Center 7 and what the U.S. government began doing immediately after September 11th. And we are going to touch on the Saudi connection. Mm. We will be getting into the Saudi connection here extremely shortly. That may, in fact, be our next episode. But before we dive back into all of this, we have patrons to thank, 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 thank. We have patrons to thank, they are actually watching us live right now while we record. If you were over there, you could be knowing exactly what we're about to talk about too, but you're not.
1: Seeing all the outtakes, the mm-hmm. bloopers, having just Everything. a one-on-one, almost like a barbecue. <laughs>
0: barbecue in the top every of this week house. in every our week. lives. So we'd like to thank Mama Ali. Thank you, Mama Ali. We'd like to thank Emily and Kelly and our mother.
1: And Mom. She wanted a special shout out. It is going to be Mother's Day by the time you post this. Oh,
0: shoot. So, happy, happy, happy early mom. Ha- happy
1: belated Mother's Day, mother.
0: So speaking of mom, um, I had a few comments throughout t- talking on this. They always, you know, like Michael Jackson was supposed to be in the towers mm. the day of. They always bring up, you know, certain celebrities, right? That that miss, you know, um, just by luck. We've already talked about Seth MacFarlane oh. on here and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mom keeps bringing up, too, actor James Woods. Do you know about this at all? A bit. You do? Okay, so... Uh,
1: not not in depth, of course. I know a bit.
0: Okay, so James Woods, who's the butt of many Family Guy jokes, and I'm sure he's famous for other things, but unfortunately I only watch Family Guys, so I don't know. He was on a flight from Boston to Los Angeles on August 1st, 2001. That is the flight path of American 11 was supposed to be the flight path of American 11 when he gets on he noticed four men who were acting odd he said they were just sitting upright staring ahead they're up in the air and he's just getting this weird feeling about it so he goes and knocks on the cockpit door and is able to get the attention of the co-pilot and he speaks to the co-pilot and he's like do you see those guys Uh,
2: I took it upon myself to go to the flight attendant and ask to speak to the pilot of the plane the first officer came out I reported to him that I felt that the four men, and I said, can you look over my shoulder and see who I'm talking about? And he said, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) I said, I think they're gonna hijack this plane. I mean, everything they're doing, and I explained to him these details, which I've been asked to keep, Private, until whatever jurisdiction you know, uh, whatever trials may take place, uh, their behavior was such that, uh, that that I felt they were going to hijack the plane. Of course,
0: he has some offensive remarks. Um, he talks on why he called Muslims towel heads at one point. Yeah. So we're on Bill O'Reilly. So of course, there's some.
2: Yeah. In some of your interviews, you have been very hawkish uh, against the terrorists. I mean, pro- probably the most outspoken Hollywood guy. And you, and you used the word towel heads one time. Did you mm. take a, a lot of heat on that? Um, uh, maybe, but I don't pay attention to heat. I mean, I don't I don't explain and I don't complain and I don't But apologize. to say that in a pejorative way, would you have taken that back? Well, I do think at times when you feel passionate about something, there are times that all of us, I'm sure you have, and I, and oh, I know I have, I have, allowed my tongue to sort of get out ahead of my brain a little sure. bit. And by the way, Clearly, I would not want to hurt anybody's feelings. But on the other hand, it's not like after thousands of incidents of terrorism in the past 20 or 30 years that, you know, we have to worry a lot about like Swedish terrorists.
0: And he also talks about how Muslims should be policing their own people, to which I'm like, fucking how are they supposed to police Al-Qaeda? Come on, James.
2: I mean, so the bottom line is, you know, I think of the energy that a lot of people in the Muslim world and there are, I'm sure, extraordinary people in that world. If they put that energy into policing their own, as much as they are criticizing politically correct or incorrect gaffes, like I made, that maybe would be all we'll be a lot better off in better the world. I mean, well, it, it reminds me of those people who lived in Dachau, who, you know, were shocked at the end of the war to find out that there was, you know, what that black smoke was coming from those chimneys right. 100 they're yards not, from their house, not, you know. They don't want to know the truth. Mr. West, we appreciate you coming in. That is really some story, though, about the, uh, yeah, so the people, uh, the hijackers on the plane. So
0: yeah,
1: were... that's, that's, yeah.
0: So, anyways, but okay. he he does go on to say he only reported it to the co-pilot because it's been widely misreported that he had gone to the authorities immediately after this. He did not just report it to the co-pilot. Co-pilot reportedly told it to the FAA, but of course, as we know, the FAA did not know of any of this going on because the CIA did not tell them jack shit. Did not tell them that Khalid. And his friend were in town, and they were both on American 77. They were living over here, even though they were in that al-Qaeda meeting right before. Now, I can't find who the four men were. However, James Wood said in that interview that the the FBI got, like, thousands of tips, obviously, right after September 11th. He called them on September 11th and was like, hey... Um, I don't know if you ever got the word about Told these guys. You so. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but, and so they came the next day to his house, to which he was like, how do you know where I live? And they're like, we're, we're the FBI. So, huh. yeah, and um, they had, they interviewed him for a few hours and he was like, so these guys were on my flight. And they were like, well, we can't tell you that, but just to tell you, like, we're here. And we're not at other thousands of people's homes right now. So mm. he, he did find out that one of them was on United 175, so the second plane to hit the towers. And the other one was on American 77. And wouldn't it be interesting if it was either Khalid Al-Midhar, or that other man that, would, that the CIA knew about and had on a watch list. To bring it back to our last episode, was thermite or nanothermite found in the rubble of the World Trade Center? It's hard to know. I wanted to look into this more because I just mentioned in passing that article, right, where they said they found nanothermite or Mm. thermite remains in the rubble of the World Trade Center, right? So the article I mentioned in last last week's episode, it concerned physicist Stephen E. Jones, who retired from Brigham Young University after his 9-11 theories alienated him. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, he had the- hypothesized for years that jet fuel was not the only thing that brought the towers down. Okay. He thought that there were pre planned explosives in there as well. Now, after finding nanothermite in the dust remains of the towers, he thought mm. he was validated because he's the one who did that study. Now, Stephen. all the
1: baggies from around.
0: Yes. So he had collected samples of the dust from various sites in Manhattan and announced in 2007 he would have them tested independently. However, according to a debunking site that I found, if he did have them tested independently, he did not tell anyone the results of the independent tests. We only know the tests that he did himself along with his colleagues. So that's a little bit of a red flag. Another red flag to me was where Stephen received his samples of the dust from. So one man had swept a handful of the dust from the Brooklyn Bridge on that day. Another had collected the dust from his own apartment that was five blocks away from ground zero. Mm -hmm. And according to them, the first samples emerged in October of 2006. So this is five years from 9-11 and who knows how they were keeping those samples. You know what I'm saying? How were they stored?
1: And not only that, thermite is just iron oxide and aluminum powder. The Brooklyn... well, they sound
0: like red chips. Chips was the word that kept getting used.
1: I guess, but I mean, like, the Brooklyn Bridge, I believe, is made out of iron. Oh. And iron oxidizes in salt water. So you already have half of thermite.
0: Interesting.
1: So that's kind of a hard thing to... Prove. Yeah, that's a really hard thing to prove. And it would, I mean, and on top of that, if you want to get... If you want to get crazy with it, Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's why, if you believe they use thermite, maybe that's why they use thermite. Because it would be a very, very hard thing to track down Uh, because of the building materials all around at that point in time. That
0: makes sense. But. Okay. And at least one of the four was contaminated. So Janet McKinley used the jest from her apartment for a quote unquote work of art. Ah. Uh.
1: Interesting. What does f- that mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I find that so disrespectful because when I see the dust of the towers, I think about remains. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's my own personal opinion. You, you know, let me know what you think of that in the comments. Um, I will say as a side note, I found Janet's and I believe it's the same Janet's the same name. And she was in New York, just a couple blocks away from the world trade center on that day. I found her diary of that day online she has a publicized like journal entry from that day. I'll link it in the description. It is wild to read and look at mm. um photos from that day that you just don't it's taken from a civilian. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not a professional or anything like that, right? And also it's wild to think there's photos of her apartment and the layers of dust on her own personal belongings. And I just had never thought about that, thought about going back to your apartment, the windows are broken in. And seeing just... Not to mention at least two people for these dust samples who provided them were staunch conspiracy theorists who believe that the attacks were there to usher in the new world order.
1: Were they entirely wrong?
0: They were not. Yeah. They were not. (laughs)
1: But that being said... The
0: whole world changed after it.
1: That being said... Yeah, you probably shouldn't take your it's biased your your evidence from such biased people
0: yeah yeah yeah. so safe to say this was an extremely biased test and i just what it what it had me thinking as i was researching it was i wish we trusted our government more but the problem is as our government was investigating themselves and how they had prepared for this attack and of course when you investigate yourself like in the commission reports it's always
1: you found no wrongdoing yeah like literally every time why do we never mind that's total side note
0: no, I mean I would love to know why we didn't have civilians on that commission report, which is another thing the nine eleven victims wanted to know. But yeah. Anyways, I I also wanted to say I feel bad for Stephen Jones in a sense. He lost his job over this, and according to the Desert Desert News article that I spoke about in the last episode, he likened, likened himself to Galileo and Newton. Um, who stood by their conscience. He said, I would like to think that I could stand up for the truth. He felt that this death study had vindicated his original beliefs and hypothesis that the towers had been brought down by something more. And he said, quote, As a young student said to me a while back, it's exciting from a scientific stand." point of view because things are now making sense but I feel sad for my country. This does bring me to the final building that collapsed on September 11th 2001. World Trade Center 7 would collapse at 5 20 p.m eastern time. So World Trade Center 7 would be the only building of like a tower sense to collapse due to fires alone which is and that is what's wild.
1: It's significant because of that. Yes. And not a lot of people comprehend how, how significant it is. I mean, it was built to kind of the same specifications as uh, uh, World Trade Center 1 and 2. And I went over in the last episode all of the fire retardant ceilings and stuff like that that they put on all of the, the main columns and the pillars and everything like that. And yet somehow they went down. It makes a little bit more sense because they were struck by aircraft. But this one here, it was built to withstand fires yeah that's
0: no it's crazy yeah it's crazy uh, you're gonna be surprised about this i think um i looked into the history of world trade center seven um for looking into this it was built by newfoundlanders
1: it was built by canadian men some people call it the rock
0: they called themselves the fish gang
3: <laughs> if you walk by the new tower they're building at the world trade center and look up chances are that many of those hard hats belong to newfoundlanders at the top of the third tower of the world trade center the fish gang is preparing to raise derrick a newfoundlander willie quinlan yells instructions as 22 tons of steel
0: is jacked up
3: two stories
0: it was built with canadian steel and a canadian construction company was the contractor for it newfoundland iron workers I know. This is exciting for us. If you don't know us, um, we are Canadian. So, Canadian American dual Hybrids. citizenship. Baby. They call us. We're from the East Coast, too. So, exciting. Um, it was developed by Larry Silverstein, who, yes. We will be talking about later in this episode. It was completed in May of 1987, long after the World Trade Center complex was completed itself in the 70s, which made this building only 13 years old when it collapsed. Dang.
1: Dang. You know,
0: Dang God, I'm only 13 years 13. old. Why did
1: I get it in my head? It was older.
0: I thought so too. Dang. It was 47 floors and it weighed 138,000 tons. During its lifetime, the building was also known as the Solomon Brothers Building after its original 30-year lease had fallen through between Silverstein and Drexel Burnham Lambert due to an insider trading scandal, which would eventually be one of the main components that would have Drexel Burnham Lambert... Collapse the Mm. yeah, their company. So, after this three billion dollar lease fell through,
1: holy cow! Yeah,
0: Silverstein was left to find new tenants. So, the top 19 floors of the building would be rented out to the Solomon brothers under a 20 year lease. So, there were many other tenants in the buildings as of September 11th, 2001. We had the American Express Bank International, United States Secret Service, but most interesting of which we kind of mentioned in previous episodes, the Department of Defense and the CIA shared the 25th floor with the IRS. Now, this clandestine CIA office would not be known to the public until long after 9-11. All right. Now, oddly enough, this office was engaged in counterterrorism. It's an odd little dink. Now, according to 911truth.org, which by the way is an Excellent source for things. I don't want to hear any shit in the comments. They cite their sources. I am living through that website. Because if you go to Google and you Google any of the conspiracy theories about 9-11, nothing pops up but debunking them. I don't want to hear about the debunking. All I've heard about is the official story. I want to hear what the conspiracy theorists think so that I can figure out for myself if that's true or not.
1: What would be crazy is if somebody thought that some, uh, our government used the attacks uh, to create a new world order where you can't speak out against certain things. But that would never happen.
0: Like the TikTok ban? Because That's not just the TikTok ban. It's literally a Trojan fucking horse. It's that if any application with over a million users is something that the government doesn't like, then they can ban it. That's what the TikTok ban is, Please by ban the way.
1: Please ban Facebook. Mr. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I want you to have that kind of power, but because I want you to take it from Mark.
0: The Demolition Ordinance Disposal Team for the Army's Fort Monmouth. How am I pronouncing that?
1: Don't even get me started. I have no idea.
0: Just happened to be invited there that morning, on September 11th, to meet with the building's owner, Larry Silverstein. They were reportedly planning to hold a meeting at Seven World Trade Center to discuss terrorism prevention efforts. The meeting was set for 8 o'clock in the morning on 9-11, but was canceled. With the excuse that one of Silverstein's executives could not make it.
1: Interesting.
0: Well, another little dink here. Fort Monmouth, New, it's based in New Jersey, their personnel were preparing for an exercise called Timely Alert 2 on the day of 9-11. This was a disaster drill focused on response to a terrorist attack and included law enforcement agencies and emergency personnel. The drill simply changed to an actual response as the attacks began. It, it is food to think on. Honestly, like you you led me to 911truth.org yes. smart I, I people over there truth.org. I'm back I'm in it man <laughs> I'm here for I've it I've
1: already got the tattoo
0: <laughs> so this is a little bit this whole episode is going to be kind of a conspiracy corner this is not my fucking hat
1: well no it was Scully's what are you doing <laughs> put that back on him yours is down there
0: oh. fix it no,
1: you gotta form it again because you broke it. You ruined it.
0: The official story, as Mark has already discussed in a previous episode, when and I feel like I gotta take this off for right now. Oh. When Tower One fell, it weakened the building, hitting it with debris. So it hit World Trade Center seven with the debris. It was only three hundred and seventy feet away from it, to the south of it. So but when how the plane far away hit,
1: was that cathedral. What do you mean? the cathedral that's literally right next door to world trade center one
0: but it's small it's not as big as
1: yeah but it's smaller and older and built with less sturdy construction. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways.
0: They just don't build them like they used to. <laughs> Apparently This not. building was only 13 years old. Yeah. It was built by Newfoundlanders. So when the debris hit, it ignited fires on at least 10 floors. Now, remember these floors that I'm about to tell you. There were floors where the fire burned uncontrollably because the sprinklers were not working due to the water supply being cut off that was connected to the first and second towers. So please listen to these floors, floors seven through nine and 11 through 13 burned uncontrolled for the next seven hours. And no help from the fire department for it. Remember that. The official story labels WTC 7's collapse as a quote-unquote progressive collapse. Now, according to the report's probable collapse sequences, heat from uncontrolled fires caused thermal expansion of steel beams on the lower floors to the east side of World Trade Center 7, damaging the floor framing on multiple floors. And according to the official story, the main cause of collapse was from that thermal expansion of building elements such as floor beams and girders, along with the force of gravity itself caused the building to collapse in on itself. It should be noted that this investigation that ran for three years was conducted by the National Institute of Standards of Technology, which we're here and forth gonna call NIST, okay? They did this investigation and they did not use steel samples from WTC7 as by the time of their investigation, the steel had been removed and was no longer identifiable. So they had no physical evidence for their investigation. Let that sink in. Instead, they used data, interviews, studied of the buildings using audio and video recordings of the collapse. Okay, so that's how they're studying the building. And state-of-the-art computer methods keeping in mind this is early 2000s yeah like I'm not trying it it sounds dismissive but and I'm getting all of this from their FAQ page by the way mm. okay I'll link it in the description now with all this damage from the fires you would think that many people perished inside of World Trade Center 7
1: absolutely not none of them no one
0: not a soul. According to the FAQ page on the NIST, several factors contributed to the outcome of no loss of life or serious injuries for World Trade Center 7. Now, the building only had half the number of occupants in it as they would on a typical day, approximately 4,000 persons at the time that the plane struck the World Trade Center towers. Occupants had recently participated in fire drills, which, by the way, so did World Trade Center 1 and Mm -hmm. 2, but... Okay. The occupants alerted by the attacks on World Trade Center 1, 2, and the Pentagon, which I ripped this straight from NIST. I find it interesting that they listed both 1, 2, and the Pentagon. So that's farther in the morning when the Pentagon gets hit. It gets hit, hit at like 9.30 stop. First Towers hit at 8.46. It's a lot of time in there. Yeah. So that's a lot of time between when the building was damaged to when the Pentagon that's weird. That is really weird. I'm just saying that's weird. They were evacuated promptly. Emergency responders provided evacuation assistance to occupants. No emergency responders were harmed in the collapse of World Trade Center 7 because the decision to abandon all efforts to save World Trade Center 7 was made nearly three hours before that building fell. So they knew it was going down. That tells me. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they not try to save it? I guess they had their hands full with other things. I suppose.
1: But at the same time, you would think, especially the massive amount of government organizations that they had in there, the CIA, the DOD, and the IRS, you would think that they would be pressuring them to save it.
0: But like now as I'm thinking about it, we did think there would be more survivors in the rubble rebel, rebel of the towers than were. So maybe all four focus was on the towers because they knew there was a huge loss of life in there. And
1: maybe they knew that there was no one inside of World Trade Center 7.
0: Because if they had gone to stop the fires in World Trade Center 7, then we would be screaming, why did you go to stop the fires in this office building when... Okay, that makes a little bit more sense now that I'm reading it loud. I mean,
1: I guess but still, it doesn't make much sense to just abandon...
0: Just abandon the building. Also, can I just say... When you see that building fall, I don't see any fire.
1: Yeah, I've been looking at that too. I don't see any fire either. It's weird. Yeah, not even when it's actually like fully falling. You can't see any... Not even
0: when it's behind a reporter and she's talking. Do you see fire billowing out of that building? Or anything that shows that building was hurt. And I'm sure it was hurt, but you don't see any actual evidence that it was hurt yeah and any of those news reports
1: in order for fire to burn fire needs oxygen smoke stops the flow of oxygen so the smoke would have to go somewhere in order for the fire to sustain a burn and i in all the footage that i've watched i don't see smoke billowing out
0: so there is another eyewitness account who says he was stepping over bodies in the lobby of world trade center seven And would later retract that statement. Now remember, no lives were officially lost in World Trade Center 7. So let's dive into it. Shortly after the first plane hit the North Tower at 8.46 a.m. on September 11th, Barry Jennings, the Deputy Director of the Emergency Services Department of New York City Housing Authority, headed into the Office of Emergency Management's Emergency Operating Center on the 23rd floor of World Trade Center 7, where Michael Hess had assumed mayor Giuliani would be they were all headed up there Jennings had been called to help coordinate an emergency response for the attack that had just happened but he said that he found this man named Michael Hess up there at who was New York's corporate counsel, and found that the World Trade Center 7 it was empty so that building's totally empty it's just him and Michael Hess up there Hmm. Apparently even food had been left on desk.
1: Yeah. And hot coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee with steam still coming off of it.
0: And it was just the two of them. Yeah. So Giuliani ultimately went on to an alternative command center at 75 Barclay Street, a block away, according to his interview with ABC News the morning of 9-11. Now listen to this quote from him. It's very important. I went down to the scene and we set up headquarters at 75 Barclay Street, Which was right there with the police commissioner and the fire commissioner, the head of emergency management. We were operating out of there and we were told that the World Trade Center was going to collapse. And it did collapse before we could get out of the building. That's an interesting choice of words. They were told when they were told the World Trade Centers were going to collapse. We Hmm. didn't know those buildings were going to collapse. In fact, that was a shock to engineers around the world that those two buildings collapsed. Before the towers collapsed, according to Jennings, he phoned several people to ask, what do I do? Because nobody's up here where they were supposed to be. I was called to be up here. And they say, get out of that building now. They're fleeing. They're fleeing from the 23rd floor. When they hit the sixth floor, Barry Jennings says an explosion erupts from underneath his feet, blowing him and Michael Hess backwards. He said the the ground that they had been standing on went out from underneath them. Mm. So they flee up the stairs now. They hit the eighth floor. That's where they stay for over an hour. They end up breaking out a window to wave and help. However, if you remember, floors seven through nine, according to the NIST, were burning uncontrollably with no sprinklers on.
1: But you got these two dudes that just are sitting in it.
0: They're sitting on the eighth floor. That's supposedly burning uncontrollably. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Sinks, so, don't it? Kinda, it sinks. Kind
1: of glows in the dark a the, little bit, doesn't it? This
0: I? is fucked. Barry is insistent that this explosion happened before the towers came down. He would be rescued up on the eighth floor when rescuers came in, shine their lights, said, "Is anybody there?" He said, "That was like an angel." Mm. Them asking, "Is anybody here?" Now they rescued Barry and Michael. Now when the rescuers came. They reportedly, one of the police officers, said to Barry, we got reports of more explosions we have to run. Yeah. Barry said when they got to the lobby of Building 7, it was totally destroyed, and they had to take them out of the lobby through a hole. Okay, that was a man-made hole, he thought. Mm. But before they got to this hole, he said that the authorities that were escorting him and Michael Hess out, they told them not to look at their feet, and he realized it was because he was walking over dead bodies. He gave this an interview immediately after being evacuated from World Trade Center 7 building, where his story was basically what it is here, not in so much detail, mm. but this has been his story.
2: Of exactly what happened inside the World Trade Center when that first plane went in, and of course the collapses since then. We're gonna bring more of those to you now. Barry Jennings, you're on the eighth floor. You work for the city housing department. Explain to me the moment of impact.
3: Well, me and Mr. Hesh, the corporation counsel, were on the 23rd floor. I told them we got to get out of here. We started walking down the stairs, we made it to the 8th floor. Big explosion. Blew us back into the 8th floor. And I turned to Hesh, I I said, this is it, we're dead. We're we're not going to make it out of here. I took uh, a fire extinguisher and I bust the window out. That's when this this gentleman here heard my cries for help. This gentleman right here and he said kept saying stand by somebody's coming to get you they could they couldn't get to
2: us for an hour because they couldn't find us you thought that was it I thought I thought we're dead I thought that was it I, I started praying to our lives that that's it we're gone well, what was it like for you you were inside there as well It was pandemonium I mean it was something like out of uh, a Bruce Willis die-hard movie uh, he was there and he was crying and there was another gentleman crying and and for help we couldn't get to him we tried to get through the uh we, we went through the buildings we were lost both staircases, the backside was completely blown away. There was no way to access us. We couldn't get to them. And finally, uh, one of the one of the fire department teams found them. But uh, we didn't think we didn't think they were gonna make it. Well, certainly you got out. Many others didn't. Of course, we don't have a number right now of fatalities or injuries.
0: So there is conflicting information about the time, though, that this interview happened with Barry Jennings. According to Barry's later interview with Loose Changes Dylan. So Dylan is like the creator of Loose Change which is uh, basically all the conspiracy theories you've ever thought of for 9-11 kind of conjoined in this one movie. We need to sit and watch that and take notes and go through it and maybe make that an episode. During his interview, he says that the interview, the original interview, the one he had with the news people outside of World Trade Center 7 that day, it must have happened around 1 p.m. And Dylan agreed with him. He said he'd been trapped in the building a lot longer than one hour. However, according to an article I read on 911truth.org, the interview must have happened at around 1157 due to the timestamps derived from the DVD of the interview. However, the NIST investigation would state the men were rescued between 1210 and 1215, to put the interview later. So the NIST used this time frame to put Barry's story of the explosion he experienced, Mm. okay, at the time that World Trade Center 1 collapsed. So that was the explosion he was feeling.
1: Ah. However,
0: Barry is insistent when he got up to the eighth floor, they saw both towers still standing, still burning. He's insistent on it. Now, he said this is what's interesting to me. He said the original story given to him about why that explosion happened was a boiler exploded beneath him. He said he's a boiler guy. There's no fucking way. Mm-hmm. It was way more forceful than that. This was Barry's recount of events, not only from his initial interview on September 11th, but also that viral film called Loose Change that he was in. Supposedly, Barry's job was threatened concerning his interview with Loose Change, and they asked he asked Dylan to pull it from the film. Now, this is supposedly. I don't have any, like, official report. I just have several there's several articles that mention this okay Okay. it gets weirder though in 2008 barry was featured in bbc's program the third tower he refuted what he had said in loose change that there had been bodies around him but this bbc the third tower basically was to shit on anything any conspiracy theorist ever did basically refute any of it and as you and I, I feel like we're very middle ground. Like, I want to hear it.
3: I, I didn't like the way, you know,
2: I, I was portrayed. They portrayed me as seeing dead bodies. I never saw dead bodies. But Dylan Avery has a recording of his interview, and he's unrepentant. It was unbelievable.
3: And the firefighter that took us down kept saying, do not look down. And I kept saying, why? I said, do not look down. And stepping over people you know you can feel when you're stepping over people i didn't take anything out of context i said it felt like i was stepping over them but i never saw it
2: and uh, you know that's the way they portrayed me and i didn't appreciate that so i told them to pull my interview
1: they got my boy they got him. they got him. they 100 got him. like that's that's literally the only thing i can say to that because what that sounds like to me is a damage control press conference is what that sounds like well, they took me out of context. I never said this. I never said that. And the guy that made the thing is just like, you did, though. Here you it is. And it. he's like, you know, you took it out of context. You took this out of context. And it's, it's damage control. They got to
0: him. Very interesting. Um, Barry Jennings died on August nineteenth, two 2008, not long after this BBC... An interview went out at the age of 53, just two days before the NIST's official report on why World Trade Center 7 collapsed, and that it was released And after they conducted that three-year investigation. His official cause of death has not been released. His obituary was never released, even though he has wife and kids and family. I'm telling you, it's fucking weird. Mm. Finding things on Barry Jennings, extremely hard. He's extremely like a ghost. Extremely hard. It's very hard to find things on him. Um, I don't want to disrespect him or his family. He has passed since. So, you know, um, I, I don't want to disrespect anyone. But I will say his death not being released only fueled conspiracy theorists. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, there's even a website right now called like the mystery of Barry Jennings that's out there. Um, People hang his banners at protests. They want to know what happened to Barry Jennings. Um, So it's only fueled things as it does, you know, in this kind of situation. When we have people like the CIA, who we know have done things like this it does make things pretty suspicious mm. it's something to think on barry jennings was not the only first-hand account that spoke on the explosives being in all three of the towers
3: i don't know about the first one
1: but i know the second one was it was terrible then there was a third one too after that one right. after
3: that? yes sir. And you were everybody room. was inside the and building waiting to, to go, wait and go upstairs and they, they, just, they just let loose. Everything just let loose inside the building. So what, what you tell me is that there was a plane or whatever hit the building in the secondary explosion. It was like
1: three explosions after that. We came in after the after the fire. We came when the fire was going on already. We was in the staging area inside the
3: building okay. waiting to go upstairs.
0: I will say regardless about what you believe about nine eleven, nothing we've discussed so far today gives any definitive proof either way like let's just be real here i do find it terrifying that these firsthand accounts though that we've talked about are extremely hard to find online extremely hard to find online
1: and i don't understand like here's my whole thing and this is once again it's just the lack of information that fuels conspiracy like that's litter or conspiracy theories, that's I should it. say. Yeah, lack it's the of lack information. of information. And mm-hmm. what's even more shady about just the lack of information is the the stopping of information, not only from the government and several governments worldwide. You just saw the BBC, which I don't know if you know, is a form of the British government. It's yeah. it's taxpayer funded. Governments worldwide are saying that this is the official story, you should not question it, but we're not going to answer absolutely everything about it because there's no way we could answer everything about it, blah, 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 And then all of a sudden, all these tech giants, like we were talking about earlier, you can't search up 9-11 conspiracies just to see what the conspiracies are on Google, Yahoo, Bing. Doesn't matter. Just have a
0: conversation because that's all we're doing right now is just having a conversation. I I don't want to fuel anything either way. I think it's very interesting. This is a part of our history. If something was done wrong, obviously, by our government, like, let's just be real. We've talked about that in countless situations, the CIA knowing two of the terrorist identities, allowing them to even come into our country when they knew that they were a part of Al-Qaeda. Like, you know, there's so many different steps, and I think that's how we correct History in the future, holding people accountable, which, by the way, Ali Soufan, we haven't talked about him at all. If you know anything about 9-11, you know who I'm talking about. He worked with John Mm O'Neill in the FBI. We talked about John O'Neill a few episodes ago. Um, He has been a huge, you could call kind of a whistleblower um, in the government against... Everything that happened with 9/11 since then, and and he's featured prominently on 911truth.org because he has been screaming about why has no one been held accountable? Why the day after September 11th did he finally get the memos from the CIA about the men that he, he they, they they'd been asking they have been asking for information for? And oh, guess what? They were on the planes. Mm. You're fucking kidding me, guy. Yeah. You know so.
1: And that's so. And once again. If we didn't do it, and we didn't have the enough information to put those guys either behind bars or in a trial before September the 11th, why on earth don't we know absolutely everything there is to know about these situations? Once again, it just fuels conspiracy. All you have to do, there's an old quote, the truth's gonna set you free. <coughs> All you have to do in order to calm down now an entire generation of military-aged men that you have trained to go to war under a certain guise, all you have to do is say, hey, here's exactly what happened. We actually had no part in it. We actually did not have explosives there. Those buildings fell down organically. Here's the absolute 100% evidence. Here's absolutely everything. All of the files unredacted. Everything is right here. Read it. Go for it. That would calm everyone down so much, but that's never going to happen. Oh, we're Do you never going to get it in
0: our lifetime. We're Do you know why? If
1: They either did it or they had enough information to stop it and chose not to, much like Winston
0: Churchill in the Second World War. Oh, I always think of JFK, much like JFK. Yeah. Interestingly enough, as far as I can find, World Trade Center 7's collapse is not mentioned at all in the 9-11 commission report interesting to bring it back to the day the president would address the nation again at 8:30 pm from the oval office this time
3: good evening today our fellow citizens our way of life our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts the victims were in airplanes or in their offices secretaries businessmen and women military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. The pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge, huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief, terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat, but they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon for freedom and opportunity in the world, and no one will keep that light from shining. Today our nation saw evil, the very worst of human nature, and we responded with the best of America, with the daring of our rescue workers, with the caring for strangers and neighbors who came to give blood and help in any way they could. Immediately following the first attack, I implemented our government's emergency response plans. Our military is powerful and it's prepared. Our emergency teams are working in New York City and Washington, D.C. to help with local rescue efforts. Our first priority is to get help to those who have been injured and to take every precaution to protect our citizens at home and around the world from further attacks. The functions of our government continue without interruption. Federal agencies in Washington, which had to be evacuated today, are reopening for essential personnel tonight and will be open for business tomorrow. Our financial institutions remain strong, and the American economy will be open for business as well. The search is underway for those who are behind these evil acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities, to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. I appreciate so very much the members of Congress who have joined me in strongly condemning these attacks. And on behalf of the American people, I thank the many world leaders who have called to offer their condolences and assistance. America and our friends and allies Join with all those who want peace and security in the world. And we stand together to win the war against terrorism. Tonight, I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. And I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world, thank you. Good night and God bless America. I don't know, it seemed a little (laughs) stale.
0: Okay, so there were some red flags for me. Him saying the reason we were attacked is we're like one of the greatest nations in the world and blah, blah, that's not the fucking reason we were attacked.
1: No. Like I and that was what was shoved
0: down our throat. No. Through that no, but you know, you know, like not only and I would say like our church at the time, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember, shoved down our throat. Yeah. Um the propaganda at the time, it was well, we're the greatest nation in the world and that's why these people just don't like us. They don't Mm -hmm. like us. It's not fucking true. We're gonna get into why they attacked us. And um we're part of the problem yeah like that that that's what pisses me off is like no we're not fucking perfect so like let's not like let's not you and know once
1: again need I remind us we trained the people. That took our buildings down. I don't think it was just their pure hatred. I think it was there were a few other factors that were there. But few, once again, it was, other... it was propaganda and it was it was to send us to war.
0: It was a se- well you heard, you heard the war on terror. Yeah. He he was already calling it in. And then I also think, and maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it we are not a christian nation
1: but we were founded on christian principles we were
0: founded on christian principles but we are not a christian nation and i think him him quoting the bible was a real like middle finger to those who attacked us it was
1: it and that was supposed to be a, a thing because one of the he didn't necessarily say it but especially with him quoting the bible verse one of the whole things was, oh, well, we were attacked because we're, we're a Christian nation.
0: And, like, it's turning it into a holy war. It's so
1: weird hearing Jokers talk.
3: It's
1: so He's weird. He's a weird little Yeah, man. but anyways, when you start to hear, like, your president starting to quote scripture and being like, this is now going to become, like, the war on terror. And thank you to all the the world leaders that have started talking and helping us out and offering condolences and all the rest of it. And you're just sitting there and, like, with hindsight being 2020 at the beginning... He said, I want you to join me in prayer for all the kids' lives that have been destroyed. Mm. And I've been to basic with a lot of kids whose yeah, lives yeah, yeah. have now been destroyed because of the global war on terror, the GWAT. And it's like, dang, that kind of that's a little haunting when I heard There's that. I was haute. like, wow, I know dead guys now because of that, <laughs> because of the global war on terror. So it's like... That hits a little bit weird and a little bit different. It's kind of a weird coincidence. We've been talking about coincidences all night, so.
0: Conspiracy Corner! conspiracy corner a huge conspiracy theory i continually get in my comments concerns larry silverstein who we mentioned earlier who famously signed a 99 year lease on the world trade center in june of 2001 just months before the attacks the conspiracy theory is that he got a payday after insuring the towers before they collapsed before the attacks he was awarded 4.5 billion dollars when he took his insurance company to court so again inside job Mm. All of that, right? Interestingly enough, the towers have always been insured for terrorism. They were insured for terrorism in 1993 when the first bombs hit it.
1: Most landmarks are. And that was before 9-11.
0: Yeah, so what Larry did was actually a normal thing that you do when you purchase a building or you rent an apartment or every you get insurance on your buildings. However, those buildings needed more insurance. Um, back in 1993, after the first attack, the insurers ended up paying out... 510 million dollars in damages and that's just for bombing the parking garage area Dang. Now, we know that was huge but yeah i think it's a bit of a stretch to say that insurance holders on the towers that it was like all an inside job you know because what of that
1: would, what would make it look more like an inside job is if it was like august 31st that they signed everything and they were like oh we got to get this done because we know what's going to happen here and there right but like june it doesn't make much sense to me in my opinion
0: now larry did take his insurance company to court and he did win that 4.5 billion dollars now this is significantly less than what he asked for which was 7.1 billion dollars after the towers collapsed how
1: much disney bought star wars for
0: Oh, right.
1: George Lucas, 9-11 confirmed? Like, that's... that. And honestly, like, that's what a lot of conspiracy theories sound like. And my conspiracy theory on that is I think a lot of conspiracy theories out there, especially on big things like 9-11, are psyops. What do you mean? Psychological operations done by the government. Much like Flat Earth. I think Flat Earth was a psyop as well.
0: A psyop?
1: Yeah. Where the government had plants. And they were like... How are we going to turn our citizens against each other so they don't start looking at us more? Let's make some of them look like complete idiots. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to make some of them look like complete idiots and the other ones that just know basic like geometry and stuff are going to look at them and be like, I can't be associated with them in the slightest. So none of those people will ever talk to each other literally ever again. That's literally ever again. Now you've created such a wide divide of people who think they're holier than thou on both sides. They won't ever come together on a common goal ever again.
0: Now, it would take a, over $9 billion to replace, repair the World Trade Center after 9-11. So we're talking the museum, we're talking World Trade Center 1 that we have now. Like that
1: mine doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't I'm make sorry, any that, sense. I'm sorry, that doesn't even make sense. It, it's like, oh yeah, you know, we can talk all day about how Silverstein got $4.5 out of it. And we're just like, yeah, $4.5 billion, yeah, that's a lot we that is like our brain literally cannot I can't I can't compute it that no. amount of money but
0: and here's what's interesting too Larry's lease required him to not only rebuild the towers but continue paying rent on property that no longer existed his lawyers argued that Bro. so so he has tenants that no longer exist oh yeah on a
1: property that no longer, no longer exists. exists. Jesus. For something that he was insured for, yeah, and yet you think that he did the whole thing, where yeah. he was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to lose out on most of my 4.5, because yeah. screw it, I'm going to get at least a million out of it. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all.
0: The math is not mouthing no. that conspiracy theorist. So next... One of the main comments I get on TikTok constantly is that Muhammad Adda's passport was found in the rubble of the Twin Towers. And how did it survive and not steal? First and foremost, I just want to say, and like to bring it back to reality in my own little brain. First and foremost, I think when the planes impacted the towers, I think everything flew everywhere. And I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about plane pieces, pieces of luggage, Pieces of people, pieces of stuff from the buildings, pieces of um, like office supplies from the buildings and people from the buildings. I think it just went everywhere. As we've talked about on here before, when John O'Neill was walking through, he said there's body parts everywhere. We talked about another firsthand witness um, in the last episode. There are body parts everywhere like seeing human torsos Mm. things like that things just it 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 boggles my mind to think of what survived from united 93 as well you know what i mean and to think too after planes hit there's paper flowing everywhere from the towers like it just
1: it got out of there here's the thing that people don't understand is that air moves faster than fire when something like that hits forward it's pushing more air out of the way than it would be pushing the, the flame. The flame has to not only have the ignition point, the oxygen, and the fuel, but it also has time to actually needs time to actually catch and start. So going through a building it would not give the flame enough time to actually physically start until things were already pushed out of the way. That to include people, paper, and all Every, other different types of products. It didn't just
0: incinerate upon impact. You no, know what I mean? Things were
1: pushed out of the way. Once again, not to make you guys, if you guys firmly believe that like no, everything was planted and all the rest of it, that's totally fine. I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that you're an idiot for that to go back to my whole point of like the psyop to to spread us apart. What I'm saying is is that just think about it a little bit more logically. That's, that's all I'm saying. Because even when like grenades and stuff like that go off, people are not burned in those impacts, but sometimes they are thrown away from those impacts. When IEDs go off, they aren't always burned in the impacts. Sometimes they're just thrown away from the impact as well.
0: Now, to get back into the conspiracy part of it all, I remember, and I don't know if you remember, a photo circulating online of Muhammad Atta's passport totally damaged. Do you remember this? Hmm. I remember this. So I was thinking, is this like a part of the Mandela effect? Do you know what I mean? Like, like why do I remember? Mm-hmm. I, I remember what they're talking about. I, I get it. Okay. So, and, and the only, th- it, we'll get into the passports that were found. But I did find an article that was written by Ann Carp that was entitled Uncle Sam's Lucky Finds. It was written on Monday, March 18th, 2002. So just a few months after the towers were destroyed. And I tend to believe things that were written closer to the date of 9-11 than I do mm. of stuff that we have since then. It says in less than a week came another find two blocks away from the Twin Towers in the shape of Ada's passport. We had all seen the blizzard of paper rain down from the towers but the idea that Ada's passport had escaped from the inferno unsinged would have tested the credi- credulity of the staunchness supporter of the FBI's crackdown on terrorism. So I was like okay They did find it, but I can find nothing in the official narrative about it, nor can I find that photo of it. What I did find was mention of passports in like concerning passports in 9-11 and the commission hearing from January 26, 2004, where Susan Ginsburg says four of the hijackers passports have survived in whole or in part. Two were recovered from the crash site of United Airlines Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. These are the passports of Ziad Jara and Saeed Al-Ghamdi. One belonged to a hijacker on American Airlines 11. This is the passport of Satam Al-Sakwami, so not Muhammad Adam. Mm. A passerby picked it up and gave it to the NYPD detective shortly before the World Trade Center towers collapsed. A fourth passport was recovered from luggage that did not make it from Portland flight to Boston on the connecting flight, which was American Airlines flight 11. This is the passport of Abdul Aziz Al-Omari. So no Muhammad Ata passport. So have thousands of us misunderstood the same thing? Hmm. Another thing Susan mentioned during this hearing that I think is very notable to mention is two of the passports found in the rubble were clearly doctored. Oh. Oh. She said in a fashion similar to what they've seen Al-Qaeda do in the past. Why did they make it on those planes?
1: Complacency. Otherwise, and going back to my whole thing, they knew it was happening where they planned it to happen. Those are literally, at this point, from everything that we have dug up, everything we've talked about, Every theory we've read, every theory we've come up with ourselves, the government either knew it was happening or they caused it to happen. Those are the only two options. In both ways, the government does not have your best interest in mind and never has. Never,
0: never has.
1: They're willing to either allow these things to happen or do these things to our own people for their own financial and political gain.
0: And speaking of that, two weeks before 9-11 happened, Saudi Arabian family, a prominent Saudi Arabian family, would flee their home in Sarasota, Florida, leaving everything in its place, jewelry, dirty diapers, food. They would leave the house as it was and flee to their homeland two weeks before. Just shortly after 9-11, majority of Osama bin Laden's family would be shipped out of our country. By our government. Our tax dollars. That's the Saudi connection. We will be diving into that. And the very next month. On October 7th, 2001. We would declare war against Afghanistan. We're going to be getting into. Why the fuck we went to war in Afghanistan. When 15 out of the 19 hijackers. Were Saudi Arabian. And they were part of an extremist group called Al-Qaeda, it doesn't make sense. That had literally, sense. literally
1: nothing to do with Afghanistan.
0: We'll be diving into that next, next week.
1: I just had a theory pop up in my brain. What's your theory? The whole Afghanistan thing. Maybe it was a... Here's the thing. I don't think we've ever left the Cold War. Mm. I don't think that ever ended. We're still in it right now. And all this pointing back and forth. Well, you were spying on me and you were spying on me. Oh, is yeah. such BS. We're all spying on each other. Let's just accept it, guys. Okay? What if this... Invading Afghanistan was kind of one of the last ditch efforts for America to try to make it seem like it's better than the USSR or Russia at that point, because Russia failed in invading Afghanistan. Uh,
0: you know, a lot everybody did. Everybody does did because they are amazing warriors. And like, and yeah, they you know, can't. It's they just like know that country. You
1: could not invade Appalachia. You just could not invade Appalachia. Those people know that territory it's so mountainous it's so vast almost like another country we're talking about right now afghanistan it is so mountainous it is so vast and those people have lived there in afghanistan for much longer but the point still stands they grew up in those mountains they know those mountains we can't dig them out of the mountains unless we want to level the mountains those are literally the only two options that's the only option we have is to level the the mountain because and i said this in an earlier podcast You cannot win hearts and minds the way we were trying to do, especially in the later years of the War on Terror. You cannot win hearts and minds when you were trying to get into a town. You stumbled upon an ambush. Maybe they took down one or two of your guys, but you killed 10 of their guys, so that's A-OK. And you're in there, and you're playing soccer, and suddenly you realize that the boy that you're playing soccer with, you just killed his uncle 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You can't do that. That's how you breed more terrorists.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's all we've done is we've bred more hatred. That's all we have done. It is
1: so much easier to breed more terrorists than people think it is. When things are that high and that so high stress and so high tension, there's no winning hearts and minds. If this was not about the economic impact that this could have with our country, especially when it comes to the Saudi connection, if it was not about that, what we would have done is the proper way of of war, Mm -hmm. which is to blitz it to go in and destroy literally everything. War is killing people and breaking things. That is it. All you do is you go in, you do not try to win hearts and minds. You don't drop propaganda. You don't say, hey, we're gonna bomb this time, this place. And these are the people that we're looking for. So if you could really help us out, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) All we do is just go in and carpet bomb it into the point where people don't even want to walk out on the streets anymore. They are so scared of us. If they still exist in that zip code at all.
0: That wasn't what the war in Afghanistan was about. It obviously was about monetary gain.
1: Yes. And it was keeping us out of Saudi Arabia. But so, that's a story for another time. <laughs>
0: we'll be diving into that next episode next next week. If you've stuck through this episode, we so appreciate it. Thank you, Bake Sale, again. Yeah, that for... cookie liquor
1: was making me talk silly. <laughs> that was
0: awesome. Thank you to our patrons because you're going to be paying for the new camera we're using right now. As you can hear. My voice is starting to go because this is probably the most I've talked since I caught this stupid (laughs) cold. So I will be talking to you all soon. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will hopefully see you next, next week if the wedding does not get in our way.
1: Next, next week. We will see you guys. Thank you so much for for watching. I love you.
0: See ya. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.